0: you are listening to weekly messages from austin christian fellowship for more information about acf visit acfellowship.org well good morning everybody how you guys doing today are you well it is nice to see you can we yet again thank this amazing group of musicians for leading us so well such good i'm here two sundays week in week out and doesn't matter who's on the stage they lead us so well and you guys are responding so well and it makes a pastor's heart Uh, quite happy. Okay, let's get this out of the way. Are there any Longhorns in the room? Okay, just go ahead. Here's your 15 seconds of fame. Okay, that's it. All right. Any Aggies in the room? I'm so sorry. so close. (laughs) He did the whole thing. Okay, anyway, um, you guys online, welcome. We're glad you're here. My name is Will Davis Jr. To all of you, thank you for coming. We're glad to have you here at Austin Christian Fellowship. Um, if you have connected to ACF in some form or just started attending in the last several months, beginning next weekend after our 11 o'clock service, what time does service, 11.15 service, usually starts around one. Um, We have a next steps class. And for all, we got a bunch of people who just started coming. It's just three or four weeks of after church. There's childcare provided. there's food. But it's a really great way to get to know the church better. And our mission, and our vision, and our values, every church has a specific thing that kind of drives them. And we'd love for you to know what ours are. Um, I'll be there for the classes. We have staff and elders there for the classes. And they're really low-key, but a great way to kind of figure out your niche here at the church and if you want to stay or not, honestly. And we'd love to have you. starts next weekend. I'll remind you next week. Social media, we'll be talking about this week as well, our announcements, but we'd love to have you be part of that. Okay, so what's going on out there? Cares Fair. Um, I'm really excited about this. We had a ministry fair planned for today. A ministry fair is where you have all your ministries out there and you say, come sign up, come serve. And then we decided to take a shift of emphasis the next several months to a thing we're calling Restore, which is a bit of a inhale for our church. A lot of stuff going on, a lot of hurt, pain, ministry fatigue, world stuff. And we just thought, you know, let's let's slow down a bit. So what we're offering today instead of a ministry fair ministries that we partner with some in ACF some out of ACF that help care for our congregation everything from 12-step programs to marriage counseling to um, student and children's efforts to help our kids get more connected to Christ Uh, lots of great resources that we work with out there on the patio and I've been under the care of most of them okay so don't be shy if you need to go by and talk to them they're very used to people saying, you know, I have a friend who, and that's fine if you want to say that, but really, they're great people, and we've all got stuff going on. You can't get into counselor's offices right now. They're booked, and they have resources that can help you. Timothy Center's out there. My friend Rick Reynolds from Affair Recovery's out there great people, and so stop by and say hi, and take the resources, and share them as needed, and um, we're really excited to have those guys here today. Been a lot of work into that, so please take advantage of it. All right, um, we're in a series called Counterculture, <laughs> And if you got a Bible, why don't you turn to Matthew 5. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand. We have a team coming down with Bibles, and we love, we have Espanol, Spanish Bibles, and English Bibles. So if you need one, raise your hand. You can keep it if you want to, but I really want you to have a copy of this if you're using a smartphone, that's great, but I bring my copy, and it's, over the years, as you can tell, gotten a bit bigger and a bit larger, which is fine, because I can't see it like I used to. Um, we're, in the, we're in the fifth chapter of Matthew, in a section known as the Beatitudes, the blessed R's. Beatitude means blessed, blessed R's. And we have found this to be a bit counterintuitive, which is why it's called countercultural as Jesus gives us not just his preamble to the Sermon on the Mound, his kingdom treatise, but also these eight beatitudes are really how to survive underwater in the world that is opposed to God. If you're living underwater, this is how you survive. This is your tank. This is your regulator. We're also finding it creates a bit of a tension. I'm calling it a collision between how we're told we're supposed to live and how Jesus says we're supposed to live, you, you can't read this list without a little bit of a of a collision. I was listening to this again, just in a, in a tape message the other day, and um, it's amazing to me when Jesus stood up and said, "Here's how to be happy." He never mentioned money. He never mentioned material possessions. He never mentioned fame or platform. He didn't mention retirement. When Jesus said, this is the key. This is how you're happy, this is how you're blessed, he never mentioned anything material. Isn't that interesting? Talk about a conflict. So let me pray and we're gonna jump in. I appreciate you listening. Lord, we love you and I pray for your favor now um, on this time. I thank you for the cares fair outside and I pray you bless those great leaders, those great ministry partners of ours. And we're so proud of them and love having them here. And I pray you'd give great interaction after this service with that. Lord, I pray uh, for this time right now, just as, as I teach that, teach, that you'd humble me and clear my mind. And uh, Lord, this is going to be um, another one of those in, in inevitable moments of intrusion <laughs> from your world into ours. I pray we'd humble ourselves before it. And I pray this in your name. Amen. All right, Matthew 5, verse 1. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and he sat down, and his disciples came to him. Real important verse there is Jesus sees this growing popularity because he was healing people and casting out demons and doing all these great things, and he's getting a large crowd. He's like, okay, I need to put some salt in this and make sure people understand they're here for the right reason. So he goes up a mountain and sits down and begins to teach. And if you ever needed a, a, you know, something to solve your parking problem, as we say in church world, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Probably the first time in history, blessed and poverty were mentioned in the same sentence. And he was serious. Poor in spirit, poverty of spirit. Verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn because of their poverty of spirit. They get comforted. Blessed are the meek, they're meek because they've been comforted, for they will inherit the earth. Today's verse, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be satisfied. So I've already kind of hinted at this in the way just that I read it, but these are progressive, and if you've missed any of these lessons, feel free to go back and listen, I think it would help you. But these Beatitudes are progressive. They, they, they build one upon the other. When you're broken before God, that is the starting place. We had someone in our prayer barn this week just devastated over some things that had happened in life. And she was just, she was just weeping and kind of moaning before the Lord. And it's like, that's a great place for God to find you. Kind of starts there. And when you, get, when you mourn, you get comforted by his power. And when you get comforted, it makes you gentle. People that have been touched by God and healed by God and restored by God don't have to grasp and grab and fight and claw their way to the front. They're, they inherit the earth. They don't go take it. They don't need to conquer it. It just comes to them. And because, listen, because they've inherited the earth, what they want changes. What they desire changes. What they hunger and thirst for. They've got everything they need. So no longer am I trying to get ahead and get that next, close that next deal and get that next decimal point in front of my, my zeros or whatever, behind my zeros. Everything changes because I've been touched by God. I'm full, okay? And so what I need on the planet doesn't matter anymore. So now I'm hungering and thirsting for something that is completely different and honestly unattainable but for God. Blessed, Jesus said, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So remember, I'm doing a condition and a promise. Every beatitude has a condition. Blessed are a group. And then a promise, theirs, is this. The condition here, again, blessed, makarios. The word, the word means happy. I saw a commercial yesterday watching football that associated, I think, a mattress with happiness. Seriously? Maybe it, was, maybe it was, I don't know, maybe it was bread. I don't know what it was. But it's like, boy, are we that cheap? Do we have that low of a definition of what happiness is? He's saying here happiness is something, and it's not happiness, it's really joy. It's not surface, it's not temporary, it's not based on the stock market or who won yesterday. It's a much bigger concept. Blessed makarios are those who hunger... And thirst for righteousness. Those are the ones who are blessed, he said. So what does it mean? Remember, you've been, you've been, you're going to inherit the earth. Everything you need, you're going to have. Everything you need, you're going to have. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and I'll give you everything else you need. Okay? So what does it mean to hunger and thirst for righteousness? Well, we've got to start with hunger and thirst. Because honestly, friends, we don't have, most of us, I won't speak for all of you, I won't speak for all of you online, but most of us, I certainly haven't ever really known hunger. Not the kind spoken of in Jesus' crowd. I've known a little bit of thirst because of hobbies or activities, poorly planned activities, running out of water on a hike, and you can get really thirsty up in a mountain somewhere. But we don't have real equivalence. The word hunger comes from the word famine. Our English word to be famished comes from this. So the word Jesus used here for hunger is a chronic shortage of sustenance physically. Thirst is a pain that you feel in your body that's a result from the lack of fluid. Now, when he said hunger and thirst, they got it. Remember, this is on that hillside there. It's an agrarian culture, impoverished culture, and an occupied culture. So the typical Palestinian maybe ate meat. The, 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 the daily wage that they earned back then was not something you're going to, like, gain a lot of weight on. You're not gonna, there's not a lot of risk of overeating for them. Um, the, the, the normal Palestinian never had meat, but maybe once a week. The typical agrarian worker, even though he was a farmer, and the typical day laborer, lived in a constant state of hunger, um, moving awfully close to starvation. They were just poor. And if you've ever really seen real poverty, I mean, I remember the first time I went to Nicaragua and then to Haiti later on, and I was struck by how, forgive this, this is going to hurt some of your hearts, Um, malnourished malnourished the dogs were. Terrible view of these animals walking around because if the people don't eat, the dogs don't eat. And I got a glimpse of the poverty of Nicaragua and Haiti looking at the animals because there's nothing to give them. So the typical laborer of that day lived right on the edge of starvation. Thirst, they didn't imagine a world without running water. Again, in some places we take water because the wells, they don't have wells, the wells are bad. I remember being in Kenya and seeing these uh, tribal women come with their jugs and taking water out of a non-flowing lake to bathe their family in and possibly heat up and cook for meals. And in that day and age, you couldn't turn on a faucet and take a bath. And so if you're out somewhere and a dust storm blew in, which they were prone to do, You couldn't, you couldn't, you had to cover your face and cover your mouth and nose and just turn your back and kind of ride it out and and the dust would get in your nostrils and in your throat and sometimes be suffocating, it was so thick. And then when that's over, there's no place to go and wash it off. I hate, forgive me, I hate beaches. I don't like sand, I don't do sand. Or things that can eat you in the water, okay? But I just don't like having sand on me. And so I'm the guy who's in the shower on the beach after every time just trying to get the sand off him. And it's in everything, it's in everything. Well, imagine living through a dust storm and having no water. That's what, so Jesus said, blessed are are those, just like mourning, just like being broken, blessed, happy are those who have that kind of hunger and that kind of thirst. Like, if I don't get this, I am going to die for righteousness. (laughs) It convicts me just saying it out loud. One of the guys I read this week said, so the hunger which this beatitude describes is no genteel hunger which could be satisfied with a mid-morning snack. The thirst of which it speaks is no thirst which could be quenched with a cup of coffee or an iced drink. It is the hunger of someone who is starving for food and is the thirst of someone who will die unless given something to drink. So that is so, so, this beatitude is in reality a question and a challenge. It in effect demands, how much do you want goodness? Do you want it as much as a starving person wants food? And as much as a dying person wants water? How intense, this writer asks, is our desire for goodness? i got to be honest, I mean, not real high. When I'm, when I'm just alone, I have my moments, but just, hey, I want to be, be right with God today isn't always what I'm thinking about. And I'm certainly not like I'm going to die if I don't get it. So righteousness, feel free to join me in my pain, by the way. I feel totally alone up here. Like, this is serious stuff. Righteousness, You've got to have righteousness or you're going to die. Now, remember, because in the previous verse, the meek inherit, you don't need need physical food anymore. You don't need physical provision anymore. That's going to come. God's going to meet your basic needs. Everything you need, you're going to have. Not everything you want necessarily. He didn't promise once. He promised needs. And again, in this list of Beatitudes, he didn't once mention money or provision or comfort as that which makes you happy. Talk about revolutionary. So once you know you're gonna, because you've been, you've been healed and now you're gentle, you don't have to scratch and grab and to get ahead, you know you're gonna be given everything you need. Now, you're, now your hunger and thirst changes for something that's completely otherworldly because you go back to the first verse, I am broken and desperate before God. I've got nothing. And all I want is to be right with him. And so if I don't have that, I am going to die. That's what this is talking about. Righteousness is that standard of the impossible bar of God, the eternal judge, finding you holy and right before him. That's what it is. It's standing before the eternal judge of the universe and having him go, you're righteous. So a couple things that will help you here, what righteousness is not. Righteousness is not human perfection because that's not possible. That just makes me tired thinking about it. Righteousness is not human approval. It's not meeting the standards of the globe because in case you notice, they're a little low. A little down, they're down here. It's not like, well, most people think I'm a really good guy. You know what the chip theory is? Think Vegas. By the way, I have no experience in Vegas. Let me just get that out there, okay? We had a guy walk in years ago. <laughs> I've I, like, I've never been so terrified in my life. He walked into my office and just threw $10,000 cash on my desk. And I looked up at him, he said, this is my winnings, my tithe on my winnings from Vegas. And our CPA was Holly. I said, oh, i like, Holly, <laughs> I'm not touching this. I'm not sure, I, would you take, Never mind." We took it. We took it. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't touch it, but we took it. It's not, so the chip theory is that you go through life accumulating chips. Good deeds, add chips, bad deeds, withdrawal chips. Good deeds, add chips, bad deeds, withdrawal chips. When you get to heaven, God's gonna start pulling chips out to see you know, well, you remember the night of the senior prom? That's a big one. Here comes some chips. Or this or that, the whole decade of the 70s, whoosh, they're gone, okay? <laughs> Just, and then she, but if you have enough chips to purchase your entrance fee because you're a good person, you're in. In other words, if your good works outweigh your bad works, or if your good works outweigh the other guy's bad works, you may not be perfect, but you're in. There's an old Hebrew word for that, you ready? Baloney. That's <laughs> not how it works. we got a human standard for righteousness, and it doesn't, God, God, the scriptures say, laughs at it. Really? Our righteousness to him is but filthy rags, the scriptures say. It's not because he's mean, it's because he's holy. It's not because he's mean, it's because he's holy. He doesn't compromise holiness. It's like trying to compromise the gravity, it doesn't work. It is not finally human virtue. It's not a character, righteousness is not a character trait. Righteousness is not something some people have, some people don't because are just really good people. So if you notice the first three, it's not human is the point. Righteousness is divine pardon. I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. As far as the east is from the west, Scripture says, that's how far God has removed us from our sins. So it's, it's a, a pardon before the judge of the universe. It's a pardon. It's not that you didn't sin, it's that he pardoned you. Second, it is divine credit. Where your bank account before the holy God is in deficit, he credits to you the righteousness of Jesus, and now your bank account before the holy judge is full. Third, it's divine acceptance. And because your bank account's full, it's you're accepted. There's a place for you in his home, in his heaven. Notice the word human isn't here anywhere. It's divine acceptance. I accept you on the basis of Jesus, not on your chips that you think you have. It is the fruit of meekness. I've already said that. This, this hunger and thirst for righteousness is because you know you're going to inherit the earth. So now your want to has changed. And finally, this is what's so crazy about this, it's impossible to achieve. What's so funny about this is the very thing you're hungering and thirsting for, you can't ever get on your own. That's the whole craziness of the Beatitudes. Jesus paints this picture of a life that is completely impossible without God. Without God. It's possible with God. But now you're longing for something, you're hungering and thirsting for something, you're never going to get because, remember, here's, when you're grasping and grabbing for the world, you may get the world, but you're not satisfied. Right. The more you have of it, the thirstier you are. It's like drinking from a broken well, and you got your hand. You're sucking on dirt going, why am I still thirsty? Some of you have so much, and yet you're just like, give me the next, what's the next thing? It's because what you're drinking is not life-giving. But when you begin to hunger and thirst for the very thing you can't get on your own, they being found in a right relationship with God. When you want that so much, if you don't have it, you're going to die. Jesus said, you'll be satisfied. It's great, it's just, it's just, it's nuts, but it works. So Jesus found a woman like the women we met there at the well in the lake in Kenya who'd come midday to draw water because most of the women came in the morning and the evening when it was cool. She came in the midday because she didn't want to have to deal probably with the crowd that was there and be made fun of because she had a bit of a reputation. This lady would have a reputation in today's world. Married five times, divorced five times, and now just living with some guy. And Jesus starts talking to her about water. And she says, give me this water. He said, go get your husband. Because you're not going to understand how to be full until you quit drinking from the wrong kind of well. And your husband is not going to satisfy you. So after he talks to her and offers her living water, this is the great part of the scene that everybody misses, she leaves her bucket and runs into town to tell her friends, I think I met the guy, the Messiah. She wasn't thirsty anymore. She left her bucket because the reason she'd gone to the well no longer seemed necessary. Water could wait. This couldn't. Okay, that's the condition. Let's talk quickly about the promise. You will be filled. Or satisfied. Now again, this is again, I just want to keep pointing out the the curiousness of this. When you hunger and thirst as if you're going to die for the one thing you cannot get on your own, the righteousness of God, you'll be filled even though you can't get it. It is that it is that yearning for the father, that yearning for God more uh, David said my soul my 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 soul longs for you. My thirst I thirst for you like a like in a dry and weary land. David King David said that in the Psalms. When that's your heart's when you wake up, Lord, I just today I want to be right with you. Nothing else. Then then you're going to be satisfied because God will meet that. Let me, let me. The word satisfied comes from the word grass or hay. <laughs> yes, he's re- referencing us to cattle. The word satisfied is to, is to put fodder before cattle. Remember, it's agrarian culture. So he uses a word to basically put hay in front of cattle and have them eat till they're full. And so it, it ultimately, evolves into a word that means to to eat to fullness, which these guys rarely experienced. So, think of the image. This is the power of this scene when Jesus feeds the multitudes, right? Two different times Jesus feeds a crowd of 4,000 men, another time a crowd, 5,000 men plus wives and children, and each time they walk away with more than they had. But the Scripture says in both counts, they ate till they were full. Well, that never happened. And you certainly didn't eat to have leftovers. And so what Jesus is doing in that wonderful metaphor, work with me here, is he's juxtaposing trying to be religious and trying to get approval from God from trying real hard, grasping and grabbing, not being meek, and trying to get ahead with God too, and trying to prove yourself that you're righteous, and it never satisfied, and you never have leftovers, and you never have enough because you're always bankrupt, or letting grace fill you and feed you And there's always more grace than what you need. It's that John 1 verse, from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. God never writes a check to you that bounces. So always got more than you need. So this fullness, this satisfaction, when you begin to taste the righteousness, David said, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you begin to taste, oh my gosh, he approves me just as I am because of Jesus. When you're when you really approved, that's what I want. I've never done anything like this. I'm, the God of the universe, not the boyfriend who's flaky or the girlfriend who can't decide or the, or the husband or wife or the stock market or my employer who can't decide if he's gonna keep me or fire me or, or the. People who are my friends one day and my enemies the next. All that's out. But the God who's just found me acceptable, I've never known anything like that. And that's what I'm hungry and thirsty for. Isn't that amazing? Now I'm full. And I'm not looking to you, boyfriend or girlfriend, to give me life anymore. I found it in him. Oh, gosh, this is good. Satisfied. Are you? Please don't answer that. It's rhetorical. If I'll get enough pregnancy in that pause, I'll go, yeah! And I don't want you to do that. Just, are you satisfied? Have you found what you're looking for? And... The wisdom of our teacher, Jesus, the one we follow, he said, when you're so hungry and thirsty for the righteousness of God, that if you don't get it, you feel like you're going to die, you'll be filled. And it all begins, back in verse 3, with brokenness of spirit. I can't, nothing is working. So in the spirit of restore, in this season of our church of asking you to kind of scale back with us and not rush quite so hard, um, my, my friend, a deacon, my friend back there, David Washington, who's married to Julie Washington, a good friend of mine, he and I were talking during the service, before service, and we were, he said, this is such a wonderful post-COVID thing because we're actually having food outside on the patio and people sharing and having, we hadn't done that really since COVID, just once or twice, because when COVID hit, we couldn't have food together. We had the the barbecue team, I call them burnt offerings. They're outside. (laughs) And all this fun stuff going on. And and it's a post, I said, yes, but busyness is back too. We've forgotten the lessons we learned about busyness in COVID. And restore is about trying to pull back a bit. So in the spirit of restore, this will be on the screen, this beatitude is an invitation to a life that is less about doing and more about being. Amen. Worship team, I'm going to about you guys up as you start making your way up here. John, David, and okay, good. It's less about Doing. Righteousness is not something you do. It's something you are. So the restore effort is, again, get off the treadmill, get out of the rat race, and be. Be with God. Let him change you. You're not a human doing. You're a human being. Can we try that again? I know it's early. You've got to work with me. You're not a human doing. You're a human being. You exist. And the the playing field that seems to give the most satisfaction in life is not he who has the most toys, it's he who has been declared righteous by God. Here's your bottom line when we hunger and thirst for the one thing that we can never attain on our own, isn't that crazy? When you're really hungry for the thing you can't go get. God's righteousness, then you'll be satisfied. Anybody having a collision yet? So these Beatitudes continue to just blow up what we think is right and normal. They're just, he's just laying dynamite to all the foundations of what is our culture is based on and our way of life, specifically in Western culture. And I'm asking you to embrace that conflict. And to, if, you, if you walked into church today wondering why you can't get filled and full, maybe it's because you're chasing the wrong things. So let's, you guys online, you guys here, let's spend a moment just in prayer. These great musicians over here are going to lead you just in a bit of a reminder moment. And you guys online, you guys here in the house, just I'd like you to think about what the pursuits of your life are. And how Jesus said, if you're meek and gentle, you've been healed, you've been touched, you're going to inherit the whole earth. So I'm going to give you what you need. The land is yours. So what if you began to hunger and thirst for something that was eternal? I mean, hunger like you're going to die if you don't get fed and thirst like you're going to die if you can't drink it. What if you begin to hunger and thirst for the approval of God? Not to earn it, but to receive it. Jettison the desire for everything else. And just find yourself on a regular basis begging God to make you right before Him through the name of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, through the power of Jesus, then you're going to be filled. And what you're going to find as we get in the next couple of Beatitudes, once you're filled, how you treat people changes. See, we're going to next week get into the horizontal part of this where you start giving mercy because you're full. Can't get mercy if you're not full. So Lord, just in the next few minutes, would you move in the power of your spirit in this room and on the houses online and the people online? Free us from this relentless pursuit of more that never takes us anywhere. Lord, I pray in the next few minutes, we might, according to your word, taste and see that you're good, that you're good. We want to be in that crowd and and have food given that, that fills us. And yet we still have more. In the words of the great old hymn, God, in this moment, have your own way. In Jesus' name.